Troops, welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. Now, part two with McDojo Life. Check it out. Life, 
and who he is and why, uh, which I think is one of the wisest things that we can do as a human being is be able to look at the flaws in ourselves. I think a lot of us have a hard time with that. We want to believe that we're doing the best thing for ourselves when sometimes we're not. So listening to Mike Tyson, I think he at one point is prob- or he is the prime example of somebody who had a lot of yes men in his corner. He, he fed into that bullshit. He allowed it to take over his personality. And then it wasn't until years later, without, honestly, probably within the last decade, to where he was able to change his life around and use his story of that to help other people in a very selfless way, I have to add. Um, I'm fascinated by shit like that. Oh, well, I actually, I want to plug one thing if I could. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. So we're, of course, uh, we've been talking about the documentary we're working on, which is to expose fake frauds and phonies in the martial arts. And uh, we are crowdfunding right now, but I have a story that I want to, like, tell so bad. Um, there was a guy, his name is Louis Mark. What was that? I'm sorry. You sure? Okay. Hang on, Sean. Are you spazzing out here a bit? Huh? It all spazzed out. Full connection from somewhere. Um, just hold okay. that plug because we want that plug. Okay. Well, so I do want to talk my, about. My connect, my is now just come back on. So we'll see what happens with Darren. Wherever. Are you still there, Darren? Yeah, he's yeah, I'm, here. Yeah. I'm here. Why does it do that? All I can see is you skipping rocks. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have no clue. Sometimes connection shit happens. Yeah, you know? that was brilliant timing, though. It was like, can I plug something? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about this book. Um, we actually are going to be interviewing this gentleman for our documentary, and his story is fascinating. He wrote, I don't know if you can see this or not, but he wrote this book called The True Believers, and yeah. it's by a guy named Lewis Martin. If and you, um... If you just hold that up a sec, I'll screenshot that. And, yeah, um, Hang on, where's my thing? Oh, the wrong way. Hang on. Uh, that's okay. True believers get cool. Got it. So, and it's by a guy named Lewis Martin. And this book is about him being in a martial arts cult um, and finally getting out of it. And it talks about the entire process from the time he started all the way until he got out and how he joined jiu-jitsu and how he felt in his first jiu-jitsu match and stuff. But this is fascinating because this is one person who has that story about being a part of those cult fraudulent martial arts studios, being taken advantage of, and then eventually realizing that he was in a cult and getting out. And that's the kind of thing we really want to talk about more than specific people and specific martial arts. In our in our documentary, we want to cover the genuine the, the general outline of what is a martial arts cult? How do people get taken advantage of? Talk to people who are currently leaders of these cults. Have them do their their, their no-touch knockouts and stuff like that on us um, without conflict. If they want to fight and stuff like that, if that pops off, then fuck it, I'm ready to go. But if not, you know, the goal <laughs> isn't a premeditated assault. The goal is a good conversation. And talking with guys like Lewis Martin is fascinating because we get to take a look inside what it's like to fall for this and what thought processes happen and maybe if we can do a good job on this film we can help other people not fall into these cults and that's really the goal here is to kind of help people so that way they can realize either a i'm in a martial arts cult now and i need to get out or how if i'm getting my child or i'm getting myself into a martial arts studio what's the best course of action and what should i look for in order to to keep myself safe 
and learn something that's legitimate that won't get me killed if I try it. And so with the documentary, we get an opportunity to do this on a very big scale instead of just the people that we have on our Instagrams or YouTubes. We can really dig in, talk to real psychologists about what's the thought process and the brainwashing. Go to these places, like go to China, talk to the guy who's fighting those fake martial artists. Find out what it's like to be that guy. Find out what it's like to be a part of the cult itself and find out exactly how to stop this from happening for other people. Um, and I think it's the whole process over the last six years, 22 years of being in the martial arts, but the whole last six years of my life has been dedicated to just calling out frauds, fakes, and phonies in the martial arts. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm no saint. I've fucked up plenty of times. I like to drink. I like to smoke. And I've done all kinds of shit, everything you could possibly do bad in the martial arts. Right, But at the same time, I give a fuck. <laughs> I care about the martial arts. I care about people not getting ripped off. And I think that we as a community owe it to the people who are in, in martial arts now, who will be in martial arts later, to make sure that we call and draw a fine line in the sand of we won't take that shit anymore. We're not going to let you take advantage of people. We're not going to just stand around and do our own shit while you are over there ripping people off. We're not going to let that shit happen anymore. And I think we can only do that as a community. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, I think with a lot of things, um, especially now with the social media um, presence that a lot of, a lot of things have, I think the great thing about just a short conversation we've had already is you don't seem to have any confirmation bias on these things. Like you, you identify when something's bullshit, but you're still you're still looking at the fact of where these people may have come from, the fact that they probably initially started off with the best intentions and probably did very well for themselves as a person and as a martial artist. Um, but what you're not, and what you're not doing is discrediting them completely mm. from what, from what I can gather anyway, from this, like I said, the short conversation, which is it's quite easy to do. Like a, you take, for example, like Rogan's chucked out that he's doing this um, carnival diet at the moment. And then there's people jumping on to it and saying, yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. And then you've got vegans coming out and slamming it. And then you've got uh, Game Changers documentaries and coming out and it's all about that this is the only way to do it. And hopefully, you can, you know, once you get all, all, all the funding you need and everything, that not just hopefully, I, I, can, I can almost guarantee you will. Hopefully you keep this as a documentary that not just like me and Sean, but everybody will see. And it just lays it out. It's like, here it is. This is, you know, like you said, you've got plenty of experience behind you, like 22 years. That's, that's a, that's a full service in our military. If you do 22 years, that's, it'd be nice if I can get a, a pension. <laughs> yeah. I don't get none of that. I get a high five and hopefully I can leave a mark before I die. Like the only thing you can really hope for, the best you can hope for in the martial arts, the best thing you can hope for for retirement is that people remembered your name. That is yeah. all you get in this in this industry. People say, say, hey, I get to hang your picture on the wall. That's yeah, the yeah. best thing that could happen. Yeah. Like you would, you, could, you would die broke as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no one remembering who you are is the worst thing in the martial arts. Like because so many people come and go. Having somebody remember your name, like, long after you die, is what we all want. And look at how few we have. Like, how few people yeah. get their picture on that wall. How few people get bowed to after they die. 
it, it goes to show you how truly dis- difficult it is to make a mark in the community. It's so fucking hard, but it's worth it. It's worth the struggle. It's worth self-protection is what we're working for. We're working on being better people than we were the day before. And in the pursuit of that, maybe people remember who you are if you're lucky. But if not, it pays for itself and self-development. And that's the whole point of it is being better yeah. people than we were the day before. So um, what sort of time scale have you got on getting this documentary up and up and running? Well, if that... we can, the, of course, the faster we get to the, the funding, the goal, the, the quicker we can make the film. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we're not filming until we hit 25,000. Once we hit 25,000, we have a good like ball to roll with. We can go, okay, we can start filming. We won't have to worry about giving this money back because we can actually finish making a film or yeah. we can spread it out. So it will be in a much better place once we get there. But if we don't, we just give the money back and there is no film to be made. I mean, that's just all there is to it. We don't want to rip people off. People are paying specifically to have a film made. And if we can't afford it, then we can't do it. That's all there is to it. We just have to give it back and say we, we tried and then we try it again. Mm-hmm. Now, if we get all the funding, let's say, before the time period, which I think we have 45 days left of crowdfunding, which is awesome. We still have plenty of time. Uh, but if we get all that within the time, then we should be able to put the film out and be done with it completely by November. Um, really? That's that quick? Well, we, we allowed ourselves six months for filming. And for us, six months is six months of filming, which is why it costs so much. It's mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people to feed, a lot of people to house, a lot of people to pay. Um, but once we get that six months of filming done, then we have roughly about another four to five months of editing um, to make the movie look and feel like we want it to look and feel, which is in itself is even harder than filming, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're done, once we're done with that, then we decide how we would like distribution to go. We have a, a product. We can say, hey, Netflix, hey, Amazon Prime, Hulu, whoever, would you like to distribute this for us and air it for us? And then, of course, they buy it from us. Maybe we get residuals. There's a lot that goes into the back end. And then, of course, if we don't go that route, then, of course, we can always shop it around at film festivals, which is the traditional way of doing it, and then have it played at film festivals. If it does well, then it gets picked up on its own by distributors. Distributors, They go, oh, man, I saw your film at the Can-Cans. I loved it. We'd love to distribute it through our network. How much do you want to buy us to buy it for? Um, so... We're really hoping to get it filmed, the film completely done by November. Um, we already have the storyline. We already know who we want to film. We already know what we want to do with the film. Um, so we know we can put together a really, really good product if we just simply have the funds. Uh, if we have to make it on a lower budget, of course, we won't be able to make the film exactly the way we want to make it. But we can still make it on a lower budget. It just won't have as much snap as we would like it to have. Like people want mm-hmm. us to go to con- confront some of these guys. Well, again, in order to do so, we have to be able to afford to go there and uh, pay the crew for their time. So it's all basically uh, crowdfunding driven. If people really want to see this film made the way that we would like to make it, we already put everything out there completely transparent. We didn't even do some of the normal tricks that a lot of people do. So a trick that a lot of people do on crowdfunding is they start off with a lower number and then they slowly but surely make that number bigger because you get faster. Um, so yeah. like, let's say we could have started and said, Hey, we need $50,000. And then once we got there, go, okay, now we need a hundred. And then once we got there saying, Oh, now we need 150. But to me, that's bullshit. That's not being yeah. transparent. And so for us, we're like, this is exactly how much we need to make it. If you want to get this film made, donate. If we got 
half of the followers that follow McDojo Life, which is a half a million worldwide, to donate one dollar, we'd be able to make the movie. And if the other half who don't donate just share the information, that helps us get the movie made. It, it, the support doesn't necessarily have to be monetary. Monetary. It could also be just the support of sharing and spreading the word. That doesn't cost a dollar. That's a couple button clicks. That, that, that's a that's a huge thing I think within the social media so it's getting the information out there because have it now everybody so it's not hard to just click and share something exactly it's free especially if you care about it do you know what I mean? yeah exactly you know like that's the that's the it's like just for just for uh, for 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 instance, let's have a little look. So I um I obviously put my little my story, didn't I, of, um, that you're coming right, on the show. Just, just from me, we've had seventy one views of that story. So that's seventy one more people that have seen Mojo Dojo Life than you had earlier today. Exactly. Which is huge, right? It's yeah. Even one more person than the day before, you know, one more person than had seen it the day before. Like right now, our crowdfunding is up to $10,660, right? Which as of this morning, we were, we were like right under the 10,000 mark. So now we're, we're over that. So today alone, so far, we've raised roughly about $760. Um, yeah. And again, so, but in the grand scheme of things, just one plane ticket for me to fly from Jacksonville, Florida to Fresno, California for our first meeting in pre-production, like real hardcore sit-down meeting with everybody, that's going to cost me just $350 just for that one plane ticket there and back. So if we raise 700 today, all that really did was allow me to go to the pre-production meeting yeah, yeah, yeah. and come back. And then that's not including the fact that I have to eat. That's not including where I stay, which I know to pinch pennies, I'll probably just stay at the studio there. Um, you know, I'm willing to do the grind. I'm willing to sleep on every floor I have to sleep on to be able to make this film. So I'll pinch whatever pennies I have to, but I can't expect my film crew to go through the same thing I'm willing to go through for my project. They need to be paid. They need a hotel, even if I work for free. You know, I'll fucking, I won't even eat. I'll buy 10 cent ramen noodles and live off of that shit for the next six months. Like, I'm dead serious. I just fucking love what I do for a living, and I'm willing to make that sacrifice to make that happen. Yeah. And uh, I, But I can't expect my camera crew and my film crew to do the same, no, sacrifice the same I would. I know exactly what you mean there. That's, and it is, it, it's, it's nice seeing someone so passionate about something as well. Like, you get a lot of people that just sort of coast through life I, I put a post up the other day about most of the time you're walking around with your head down, not really knowing what the fuck's going on. And not a lot of people have a passion or or even uh, a decent hobby to do something, to do to do anything. Um, and like I said, when we first were chatting off air, the reason why I started this and every single fucking person that listens to the show knows that what I suffer with and why I started but as soon as I had that that focus, that goal, now my podcast is now my passion. 
the fact that I can reach out and, and get people like yourself, Liz Carmouche, Jack Shaw, Mason Jones, uh, Josh Bridges, and a few other guests that are coming up soon, it just it, it's just a hell of a boost. And the fact that I'm passionate now about doing my podcast is giving me a new lease of life. It's giving me a bit more oomph to, to, to carry on. So it, it, it's fucking really nice to see someone so focused and so goal orientated and passionate about the subject that they're, 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 get, they're, they're talking about. It's, it's well, I'm a little nice. selfish about it too. Like one of my, I have two fears in life. My, one of my fears is I'm terrified of heights. I don't know why makes no sense to me. I'm not scared of shit, but I am just terrified of heights and I can't help it. There's something, I'm a some mental block that won't allow me to do this shit. But the other, my, my honest to goodness, thing that terrifies me sometimes and keeps me up at night is I am terrified that I'll go through life and would have not been remembered for anything that I've ever done and I'll be forgotten because then you exist because think about it we don't exist way longer than we ever will exist and so the time that we have is so finite on this planet to be alive that we don't even get it we don't even get to know we don't get to know when we're going to die right so we don't even know like I could die now I could have a goddamn brain aneurysm on air, and That's I would true. never know that. I would just pass on, right? That's so true. with that said, though, what am I going to do with the time that I have here? And the only thing I can do is try to live longer. Well, how do I live longer? I can't do that physically, but what I can do is if I leave a big enough impact on the planet, people will know that I was alive to begin with because it terrifies me to think that I'm going to be dead way more than I'm going to be alive. It terrifies me to think that the time that I had here meant nothing. It's just such a scary thought to me. It's like, you were here for what? And I, I, this is what I hang my hat on. This is what I'm here for. And so I will go to the ends of the fucking earth. I will go to fucking Indochina and fucking fist fight a dude in a goddamn coffee shop if it means that I can help people in the martial arts community from being ripped off. I will fucking do that because this is what my passion is. This is what I hang my hat on. This is what I hope to be remembered by. And again, that is a very selfish thing. I can't say that it's not. I'm doing that because I am selfish and I would like to live longer than after I die. I would like people to remember who I was. I mean, look at somebody like fucking Abe Lincoln or George Washington. You know, people know who these fucking people are well after they're dead. So does that make them dead? You know, it sounds like they're still alive. We're still talking about them as if we can go hang out with them tomorrow, but we can't. It's all about what they left, the stamp that they left on this life. And I don't want to be the guy who's not remembered after I die. That's some depressing shit, you know? Here's <laughs> uh, is a, is a strange question, seeing as we talk about martial arts and things. Who do you think would win in a fight, Abe Lincoln or George Washington? Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln's actually in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. He's had over 300 catch wrestling matches. Abe Lincoln was a bad motherfucker, dude. If you want to talk about, like, some stories, I got Abe Lincoln stories out the ass. Abe Lincoln, one time, was giving a speech to become president. And while he's at the podium, a dude was talking shit in the crowd. Abe Lincoln stopped his speech, went down to the crowd, choke slammed the guy, and went up and finished his speech. A motherfucker. Another thing, right? So Abe Lincoln was known as a catch-ass, catch-can wrestler. He was a legitimate, like, wrestler-wrestler. And so back in the day, he was, he's actually in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. You can look it up. He has confirmed over 300 matches. The dude was a beast. Now, with that said, 
he one time after retiring from wrestling, he was no longer doing it, he was confronted by a group of three brothers, right? And these brothers challenged him one at a time to a wrestling match at like some local bar. And so Abe Lincoln was like, look, I don't do this anymore. It's not something that I do. I'm retired, but I have a friend who's willing to take you up on that offer. And so Abe Lincoln showed up to that bar to support his friend's fight. When he showed up, his friend did not. And so those three brothers who had challenged him to a match called him a liar to his face. And, of course, what's his name is Honest Abe, right? Honest Abe, yep. So he was like, well, fuck that. He's like, you're not going to call me yellow. You're not going to call me a coward. So there is a picture. You can look it up of somebody who was at that bar, of him holding one of the guys up by his neck. Somebody drew this while who was there at the scene. Abe Lincoln commenced to whooping that ass inside that bar. Because Abe Lincoln's a bad motherfucker. So, like, at the, in the, in the end of the day, if I had to pick any president to beat that ass, Abe Lincoln I would take all day. Abe is a bad dude. He's throwing it out there. I like it. I like it. I think I found on a photo the, 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 the drawing, should I say. Hold on. Yeah. The, um, put my like a pencil drawing. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, man. Was- Abe. And what's, what's sad is a lot of people don't talk about that about Abe. You hear all this other stuff, but you don't hear, like, this dude was a legitimate, badass fighter. Like, legit. And catch-as-catch-can wrestling, it ain't like our, our like regular wrestling we see today. It's not like Greco-Roman. Catch-as-catch-can was a dirty fighting version of wrestling. Like, these dudes in fights would, like, fish-hook people and stuff. Like, it was pretty brutal. You have to turn your screen down. Yeah, your uh, you're yeah. strength really bright. You have to turn it right down. And it'll come up. There, you there we go. Right there we go, Abe. Abe, Abe was jacked Abe. as well. Abe was in shape, man. Abe was a... Yeah, and apparently, according to this, he's a hell of a trash talker as well. He didn't, oh, yeah. He didn't, give, he didn't give two shits. No, Abe, Abe would <laughs> fuck you up. Like, Abe, <laughs> that's the kind of president I want. Like, I want a president who, if a war broke out... It would just be him and another dude from another country, like another president from another country, and that our president would be like, "Yeah, I'll fuck, I'll fight you over that shit." Like, no, don't worry about our army. I'll fight you, me. Like, let's go. <laughs> like, that's the president I want. I want somebody who drinks just a little. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Abe Lincoln. I bet that wasn't in the movie, was it? Wasn't what? I bet that wasn't in in the movie Lincoln. Yeah, I don't think it was. Unfortunately, no. they want to leave out the good shit. I bet shit. it wasn't in the vampire killer one either. That wouldn't fly these days, though, would it? Could you imagine, um, not that he would ever be able to do it, but like some like Trump, somebody trash-talking him, which he must get. He must. As soon as, you, as, soon as he opens his mouth, there must be somebody. <laughs> there, there has to be. Just uh, one can you imagine man, hey, 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 shit. <laughs> you are like, um, but can you imagine him just going right tell you what the place is off <laughs> see I would respect that like we have like in the in the United States we have like a long history of like these presidents dude I'm saying like we have like some of our presidents as of recent have been big fucking vagina McGinastines but like our founding fathers were some bad motherfuckers, dude. We were in the middle of war when we founded, right? So we were like, "Yeah, fuck you. We're gonna do it ourselves." And they were like, "All right, well, we'll kill you and take it back." They're like, "Good luck, motherfucker."
motherfucker, bring your ships over. Let's do this. And of course, here comes Britain. They bring their ships over. Eat that ass. They go back, right? And they're like, dude, they kicked our ass. Like, we had, like, Washington, right? Just some bad, bad dudes. But that's what you needed, right? That's what we you need as a president. Like, although, I have to imagine they probably were assholes. But, yeah, but, I mean, come on. You got the job. Talking about that, I watched that um, TV series Turn on Amazon about uh, Washington's first spies. That that's that's. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I I started watching that, then I got bored. (laughs) Hey, it's a good show. No, it might be, but I got bored. I got bored. Um, No, but yes, I, I. I get confused. Is that one in Frontier? That that's the Canadian one, isn't it? With Momoa in it. Yeah. He did a funny thing in a, a, a TV advertisement. Was that in the in the bath? No, he's um, that Jason Momoa. He's fucking walking along, and he gets, says, "I'm just getting in from work." He takes off his shoes, and they're big platforms, so he's short like me. Mm-hmm. And he starts and he starts taking all his muscles off. <laughs> and his fucking gym body, and then he fucking pulls the wig off. And he's like, <laughs> I saw that yesterday. It was like a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, Hilarious. Hey, Super Bowl. Were 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 they? Uh, was J Lo and Shakira were they fucking or? <laughs> I, all I know is they look fantastic. They so they can do whatever they want. If, uh, how old's Jaina? Like 50? Yeah, I think she's like 50. Yeah, yeah. I think she's she about like 43 or something. When did they get... When did, like, old people... I remember, like, being a kid and seeing a 40-year-old and thinking, you're old, though. Like, <laughs> like fucking wrinkly and shit. Yeah. And, hey, you, you've got good skin, Darren. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I'm, for the record, I'm not 40, but I'm nearly... It's creeping up. It's getting there. We're getting there. Creeping up. But yeah, they, they, what was the weird tongue thing she was doing? Just getting I have no clue. That was very strange. But hey, she's, she I'm makes sure all the there's a lot of lesbians in the crowd going, oh my. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> Sean, you're getting yourself kicked off um, <laughs> this <laughs> week. Uh, um, I don't know. Um, I did, did you did you see Bert Kreischer's Instagram post when he um, called it for for J Lo? I did not. J Lo. Uh, did you see for J Lo holding her leg up and then she's wearing like a leotard, but it's quite to the side. Oh, uh, did you see? Uh, let me see if I can find it. No, 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 no. No, no. 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 I'll find it out. Bert, Bert makes me die. He's so funny. <laughs> yeah, he's a funny dude, man. That whole crew is pretty yeah. damn funny. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. For J-Lo. Jesus Christ. Well done, Bert. So, uh, just drop my coffee everywhere. Can we Can we see this or? You need to go there. there. Yep. Go right a bit. No, you're left. Maybe. Now I just see my face. Where you been going? Because I can just see... That way. That one, 
looks like I'm just really creeping on this. <laughs> <laughs> my face is reflecting a thing. I, 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 I don't want to zoom in too much, but... Yeah, we'll be kind of... Like, uh, we can see the goodies. I can see the goodies. I'll look it up. I'll look it up later. The wife will be asleep anyway, so I'm gonna have to do something. <laughs> uh, I just spilled my coffee all over the floor. Ah uh, well. Drinking coffee for a change instead of red red wine. Uh, yeah, it's usually a wine or a Guinness, isn't it, for a podcast? Yeah. So. Back to fake things. It is going to take a turn. It's not, though. Um, we have a, a, a similar thing within uh, military and veterans and things like that. We, we call them Walter Mitties. Um, basically, soldiers. You, you guys have over in the States, they call it a stolen valor. We can yeah. see the fucking guys with like, a chest like that full of medals. And then you start to confront them. And there's a brilliant website over here called the Walter Mitty Hunting Club. And they go out and find it. And there's a recent one of um, an African fellow who is claiming to be uh, like a general or something like that in the British military. And he's got all these medals that are like from World War One. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but he's, he's wearing things that you're like, like, for example, he's got like, this uniform, um, but he's got the Air Force cap badge on a fucking Marine beret wearing... It's just everything that you could think of. He just literally went, I want military. And they went, yeah, I'm just going to wear it all. Yeah. And then he does all these videos saying that he's part of all sorts. And there's another bloke that has been like popping up and saying he's um he's gonna take this 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 website to court and things like that but the address is all wrong from like it was all bizarre but his rank was like major general something or other but he's also been knighted so he's like sir fucking ronald mcdickface or something like that <laughs> It's like, well, you're clearly fake because you've not been knighted, mate. Check that shit out. And it's like, what goes on in these people's heads where they gotta go, right? Should we just, should you just pretend? Just for. I had a really good conversation. Uh, do you know who Tim Kennedy is? Yeah, yeah I know Tim Kennedy. Yeah, so I had a good conversation. I had him on my show. We chatted for a while, and then I asked them about that. I was like, what do you think is worse? Uh, stolen valor or people who lie about martial arts and he had a very interesting insight to it he said he didn't he said he thought people who lied about martial arts was worse which to me i thought the opposite because i thought it was very disrespectful for people to pretend to be in the military when people in the military have died in order to have those ranks those medals that honor you had people had to die for those things and any military across the world it doesn't matter what military it is the story is always the same you know we're fighting for our country for our home field and people have died for me to be able to do what i do for a living no matter where you are but he told me he thought that the people who lied about martial arts were worse and when i asked him about it i said why do you think that and his response is very interesting he said that most people who lie about being in the military not all the time but some of them have extreme mental issues 
right? They're they they're either mentally handicapped in some way, or like they 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 they're there's something's wrong with them in some way, right? And this is like a version of them trying to be better than they really are. And he said, people who lie about the martial arts, on the other hand, they're having these people follow them and trusting that they're learning legitimate martial arts from these people when those people are lying, and that puts those people's lives at risk. Whereas the Stolen Valor people, the only thing they're really doing is disrespecting themselves because they're lying about it. They're only harming themselves where the other guys are harming other people. And I thought that that was a very interesting insight from somebody who was a special forces gentleman who would yeah, definitely yeah, especially do someone, someone as high up as, as, as Tim. Uh, the, I, I, I agree to a certain extent on that. The, the one thing that really fucks me off with the stolen ballot thing, especially over here, is the ones that make up fake charities. So the oh, people, yeah, that's you'll see... You'll see a soldier stood there in in his greens with a fucking charity tin and they're like, oh, we're doing it for this charity when that charity doesn't even exist. Um, and a lot of people give to military charities because they want to help veterans or servicemen that have been injured, like our, our friend Robbo lost both his legs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of thing. Um, and then you get the complete polar opposite where you get these World War Two veterans and, and people that have been to Northern Ireland, Iraq, Afghanistan that have done things, they try and do charity acts for like, we have a thing called the Royal British Legion that looks after all veterans, whether you're Navy, Army, Marines, Air Force, they'll, they'll look at, so they, they stand there, they sell the poppy um, and, they, and you donate and then you get these fucking dickheads that think it's a good idea to make up these charities like for example Iraqi Iraqistan heroes or something fucking ridiculous like that and then you get bods coming over going oh this this is what's this charity for it's for people that didn't come home from blah 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 and then you look into it and you're like well that's just going straight into your pocket you jumped up cunt my French Oh, I, fucking I think one thing that if there is something positive to be taken from it is I know a lot of guys who, you know, because I tell the story often is that the, the first time I ever started working in the martial arts, I was going to join the army over here in the States. And I was in what they call ROTC, which is like the reserve officer training course. And basically it's like all about being prepared to become an officer. And so I was doing that in high school. I did the JROTC. And so I was going to be joining in at like an E3 level or something like that. I don't know how it works for you guys, but for us, it's like a corporal, um, and which is the highest you can join um, other than trying to just go straight to being an officer um, as an enlisted man. And that was because I did the JROTC and I worked my way up. And so I went to the uh, recruiter after taking my ASVAB test. And he was like, here's a list of jobs. I want you to go through here, see which ones you want, circle off 10, and then come back to me, and we'll see what we can try to get you. So I went home. I had all these jobs to look over. I circled my 10. I came back. And walking up, that was the day I was supposed to sign up with my recruiter to join the military. And as I'm walking up, my phone rings, and I just happened to pick it up, and it was my martial arts instructor. And he was like, yo, how would you like to have a job working for me? And I made a decision right then. I just turned right back around. I got back in my car, and I've been teaching martial arts ever since. But a lot of friends that I went to school with did enlist. That was the plan. And they did go overseas, and they did die. And 
some of those guys when they came back weren't right anymore. You know, they just it, war does not do well for a lot of people. And while you're over there in that element, that's what keeps you alive. But when you come back, that shit comes with you. Everything you saw, everything you did, it fucks a lot of people up, and justifiably so. It's understandable. But I've noticed that one thing that a lot of these guys really has helped them keep them going is the fact that they still identify as a soldier. You can't take that away from them. That's what really causes a lot of PTSD in people is you took away their identity. You're not allowed to shoot guns anymore. You're not allowed to go train anymore. You're not allowed to do the day-to-day routines that you're used to. You took that shit away from them. The same thing happens with people in prison. They're being in prison for 30 years. As soon as they get out of prison, they kill themselves because they're used to prison life. This is who they were, and now they're not anymore. Who are they? So that identity identity crisis fucks people up. But one good thing about these stolen valor guys is a lot of these guys who do come back, they can all agree on one thing. Fuck that, that person. You know what I'm saying? They can all have this one thing. They can say, you know, I earned this shit. You didn't. I can at least still stand tall and say I am a soldier, even though I might not be enlisted at the moment. I'm st- I might be retired, but I am a soldier. This is who I am, and you're taking that right away from me. You're watering down what I do or what I did. You're you're tainting the water with your bullshit, and all the enlisted people can kind of get around that and say, "Fuck that guy." Well, I think that's the same thing in martial arts. You know, no matter what martial art we do, whether you do jujitsu, karate, whatever it may be. We can all get together and say, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, that guy is full of shit. We might not agree on anything. Army and Navy might not get along. Air Force and Marines might not get along. But you know one thing we can all agree on? Fuck that guy. Fuck that. And I think that that's kind of like one beautiful thing about this is like it kind of allows a lot of people who might not necessarily get along in your day to day come together as a group, as a unified force to go after one piece of bullshit. And I think that helps a lot of people. I do. I really think that it helps a lot of people get past a lot of bullshit in their life is because you have one thing that you can all stand up and agree on and come together and still be a soldier, still be a black belt, still be that person. It's because you have one thing that you can basically say, I don't want that guy to exist anymore. (laughs) You know? And I think that that's a beautiful thing, even though there's a lot bad that comes out of it. Sure. At least there's one good thing that comes out of it. So, because I'm going to have to go in a second, but um, on that subject, this is um, this is sort of old news for Sean's podcast. But Sean actually got accused by a random person by a troll account. Okay. So he set up like two or three troll accounts, claiming that Sean was in fact faking his not not the fact that he'd been in the military but the fact that Sean suffers with PTSD that's the podcast um that he's actually been diagnosed with uh depression and anxiety um to the point that I've actually still got the screenshots on my phone of um this troll account he he came up with the really original name of John Smith as well um Um, and this, but but this this guy he's changed it, um, but but this this same guy like when I read through the message like Sean was clearly a little bit distressed by it. He yeah. was like like so like why is somebody doing this like I'm I'm just doing a podcast to get out. What's he doing? JJ Pierce, cool. Okay. Well, JJ Pierce, because I know for a fact you will either see this or hear it. 
This is me flipping you the bird again. <laughs> I've done it every single time that I have mentioned your name. Fuck you, you're a prick. Um, but, but apart from and also, I will fight you if I ever meet you. <laughs> uh, I'll be I'll be the Chinese guy. Uh, but um, apart from that, that this this was something that came up in sort of like the the highlight reel thing that was um, for for your documentary was the fact that you've had death threats and this and that. It's like, because like I said, I've, I've literally got to go in a second. So have you got any advice for Sean? As Because it's, it's this podcast, I'm literally talking to you. You've been mentioned on Joe Rogan. He's spoken to people that have been on the TV. And that all seemed to come in the last like couple of months. So I can only see what Sean's doing here going from strength to strength and only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, it started off as just Sean uh, uh, as a way of him getting um, his, his thoughts out there. And almost immediately he got, he got trolled. Um, how do you deal with that? How, like you personally, because obviously you, you seem like a very clear thinker. Like you can, you can see a situation and assess it and then act on it. Whereas in the beginning, in the beninging, <laughs> in the in, in the beginning, like um, it really hit Sean hard, and I, I as as his older brother, I had to sort of talk it down and go, Sean, like reading this guy's messages, he's clearly like mentally not stable himself. Whether he's still in the military, whether it's somebody Sean served with, whether it's somebody that's just in Sean's regiment that he used to be in, he's clearly like I was reading these things that he was he was, he was saying that Sean's going to get. Um, like this, this might make you laugh. I can't be bothered to go. It's quite a while ago, so I'd have to really scroll through to find it. But he was saying that Sean's going to be um, uh, judged in Valhalla, that he's he's not a real warrior, that um, Odin is going to look down on him. And I, I I was reading it as an outsider with a clear head going, Sean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not somebody that's that's okay. He's, yeah. he's clearly attached himself to you're doing something. He, he either doesn't like you and he knows you or he... He genuinely believes that you're bullshitting, but the reason that he's thinking that is because he's clearly not in in a in, a, in the correct mental state. Maybe he's just come back from a tour or whatever, and like, but it's like it really knocked Sean down a few pegs. And I'm guessing that you you probably get as as you probably get. Uh, I don't know. Maybe most of your. Um, feedback would be positive because you're calling out stuff that everybody can clearly see is bullshit but you must get your fair share of negativity from yeah definitely I've had death threats um, which some of that was in the the trailer Um, I've had people who you know they take out their day on you Um, I can I can kind of like I think it's a little different um, but maybe I can give a little bit of advice because it's something that has helped me but I started the martial arts because I have scars on my face. Um, I was born with something called a cleft palate. And so when I was born, my whole face was basically just open and they had to sew it back together. So my ears, my nose, my throat don't function the way that a lot of other people's do because of the deformity that I was born with. And so I think I've had over 32 surgeries before I was 16 years old. So I'd constantly be going back to school with like a skin graft or stitches on my face or my nose had to be repaired and all kinds of stuff, right? So I'm used to throughout my entire life people saying negative things towards me because they say negative things. 
it took me a very long time, to, especially as a kid being bombarded with it, to try to understand and really kind of get a glimpse into what people are like. And all I can say is I'm a hopeless optimist. So I truly, truly believe that the majority of the world are good people. And I think that we have bad moments. And I think that in a modern day time, if you put a camera up against somebody long enough, eventually you're going to see them do something you don't agree with. Eventually, the same thing would be said about all of us because we're just people we fuck up. And I think that when people vent to me, which is what I consider it, I don't think they're attacking me. I think they're attacking something negative in their life. And I think that I am the outlet in which they can use me to help themselves in some way. And so what I found is by being overly polite to those people, I almost always have a positive experience from it. So for instance, what I used to do is I used to get really offended as a kid. I'd be mad that people would ask me questions about my face or my scars or want to fight me and all that stuff, right? And I I didn't realize it until later on down the road, years later, that it wasn't me that was the problem. I am the outlet for them. I'm actually helping them by being the outlet for them to vent. And so, like, let's say somebody has a shitty life. They have something going on wrong with what they have going on in their life. Shitty marriage, shitty job. Maybe they have a worse life than I do, which is a possibility. They might be living in poverty. This is the only escape they have and the only control that they have in their life is to be able to attack someone else and vent the bullshit that they have going on for their life. And the moment that I started being polite to those people is the moment I felt like I grew as a person. Like, it's no longer about me, which is a very self-centered thing to think about. And I know it's like, well, they're attacking me, so it needs to be about me. It's not. You want it to be about you. You want it so much to be about you that it offends you. But it's not. It's their bullshit manifesting in a way that it comes out on you. And I promise you this. You're not the only person that they're doing this to. This is the control they have in their life. They can control your emotions by attacking you. And they feel empowered by this. The moment you take that away is the moment you grow as a human being. It really is. It's a beautiful thing. And I didn't really learn this until I met Robin Black. The moment I met that dude and I saw like the way that he handled people hating on him, which is only a few years ago, I started trying the same thing. And I feel liberated by it. Like, for instance, I, you know, somebody made fun of my face, my scars the other day. And I, I just simply wrote them back in the very polite manner. And I said, you know, I was born with a cleft palate. I can't help the way that I look. Um, I'm really sorry that you felt the need to attack me in such a manner. I hope you have a great day. And he immediately, immediately, not only apologized to me, he wrote me a direct message after apologizing. And he said, hey, man, I don't know why I did that. I truly am sorry. I'll remove myself from your page. And I told him, hey, dude, we all have our moments. It's fine, because it really is fine. Don't leave the page. You're more than welcome to stay. And he was utterly grateful for it. And I think, you know, the old saying online is don't feed the trolls. It's not about not feeding the trolls. It's about not feeding your own ego. Because the moment we we take it personal, we're being selfish. We really are. We're not looking at it from, well, what's wrong with this person? Are, what's, can, is there something I can do to make you feel that you don't need to hate so much? Can I help you be a better person? You know, and I know that that might sound like very hippie-ish, but I have to say it, it helps. It makes me feel better to think that 
you know, it's not that they're bad people. They're having bad moments. And you can either feed that and make their bad moment, like, continue to feed fire and go, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck your hate. Fuck what you said to me. You can do that. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help you in any way. It's not going to help them in any way. Why not find out the root of the problem? Why is it that you hate me? What what can I do to make you feel better about the situation? Is there something I can do to improve your way of life? Do you want to talk? Like, I go live every Monday, so anybody can say whatever they want to me. And I've been doing that for four years now. And what's happened? One person ever, every Monday I go live, has ever come on there to actually attack me. And then by the time the conversation was over, we were homies. You know, because it's not you. And you really got to get that mentality out of your head. To, to tell you the truth, most people just use you for whatever it is that their needs are at the moment. Your wife, your girlfriend, your friends, your homies. What are you giving back to the relationship? And if they give you negative and you give them negative, well, you're giving them what they want. If they give you negative and you give them nothing but positivity and love, what are they left with but positivity and love? Well, that pretty much answered what I had to... What I'm all about, man. But um, it was nice meeting you. Hopefully we can do this again. Anytime. Anytime you guys want me on, all you got to do is just ask. I have no problem coming back as long as it meets my scheduling. Like I told him before we started, I made a decision when I started doing this that I never thought I was that important. <laughs> so like anybody who ever sends me a message, I answer all of them. It doesn't matter how many I get in a day. Eventually I will get to that message and I will always be on anybody's show. Whoever asks, it doesn't matter how many followers they have or how many followers I have. I will always give time to support people who support me, period. That will always be the case. All right, nice one. Well, I'll let Sean finish off with you. It's, um, like I said, really nice to meet you, Sean. Good to talk. I'm sure. Uh, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's good. Good to have a chat, um, and I'll speak to you tomorrow, I guess. Yes. Oh, you're talking to me? So yes. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you said bye to him. I'll speak to you. I've said bye. I'll speak to you in a minute. All right. All right. No, great episode, guys. It was I'll, nice uh, talking to you, man. And you. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be, in, be in touch, okay? Please. I'll call you on the phone, then. All right. Nice one. <laughs> bye. Send me the video, Sean. Yes, I will. Back on. All right, All right bye. <laughs> oh, he cracks me up. I have no idea what he could possibly be doing. Bless it. He's strange because he'll probably be going, he'll, he'll listen back to this now and he'll be like, what are you slagging me up? He'll probably be cooking dinner, is what he's doing. He's probably cooking dinner. He always yeah, eats late. Shit, I really do. You know, I really do appreciate you having me on, you know. Um, you know, I understand, like, no matter, you know, the more you do this, the more heat you're going to get and the more people are going to throw hate your way. You know, like, the truth is, is we all have our own backgrounds. We all have our own bullshit. But how we handle that bullshit is what makes us who we are. So people are going to say shit. Fuck them. Like, give them love. Give them as much love as you can because they are the people who need it the most. Exactly. It, it was just, um, <clears throat> I think it was just because it was at, at the beginning, like, now, to be fair, I don't think I've had a single hateful message from anyone. <coughs> Touch wood. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in the beginning, because I was brand new in it, I didn't know what to do. I was, didn't really know what I was doing. I was literally sat in, in here. But in fact, the first episode I did, I was sat in my work vehicle 
and I thought I need to do something. So I started talking for it was only about twenty minutes, thirty minutes, something like that. And then I eventually came into what I now call the Shedio, which is my shed <laughs> studio. Um, and it, it just sort of took off from there, you know. And then I eventually got Darren on board. He started coming on because I found it easier to communicate. So obviously, talking to somebody else because before I was literally just talking to myself and just staring out all these yeah. thoughts and feelings in my head. Um, but then I had someone to bounce off, and then I thought, oh, should we try and get some guests on? And then um, I've got one of my close friends who I served with in the in, in my regiment. He came to the shed. We had a chat. Then I had one of my best mates from back home who I've known for 32 years. He came on. We had a good chat, went down memory lane. Um, and then then the big guests, inverted commas, started coming on. And it's just gone from strength to strength. And I've had nothing but positivity from all the people that have been supporting the, the, the podcast. And it started off as once maybe twice a week but this week i've got yourself today i've got um bill turner who's a director he did um a show over here which is called sas who dares wins it's uh basically where they get regular regular human people to try and take on uh, special forces training that's all he's the director of that show uh then wednesday i've got one of the contestants from that show coming on uh, which is Chris Barker, just give them shout-outs while we're chatting. Uh, Thursday, I'm actually off, but if anyone wants to come on, they fucking can if they want to. Why not do a whole week? <laughs> and then Friday, one of, uh, one of I'm a, I wouldn't say a sponsor as such, but a supporter of the podcast, um, is we, we have uh, a, a few veteran companies that sort of um, look after the podcast, and one of them is the Dead Mammoth Coffee Company. So the owner of that is going to be um, popping on for a great chat. And I think just the name Dead Mammoth Coffee Company is just brilliant in itself. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but to be fair, this is like one of the second longest shows we've done. This is like nearly, what well, we are, almost two hours. Mate. Almost two hours. So it's not as good going. That's good going. And I can't lie, mate. It's been a, it's been a fucking brilliant insight to, to the job that you're doing. It's been a fantastic conversation with you and, and, and Darren. It's been it's been it's been nice, like I said earlier, I've only had one or two that have, I won't name them on here that haven't met the not not so much the standard but didn't really understand what, what the podcast is about and uh, Yeah. I'm uh, pretty good with the bump. You know, like I've been on a lot of these and I try to just go with whatever is presented yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just go with the, the feel but I do appreciate you having me on I, I I really enjoy talking shop I enjoy you know answering questions about what I do and I enjoy finding out about other people and learning about what they do and it's always eye-opening and I, like I said I appreciate you having me on yeah and it's like we said off, off air the fact that we can now do things like this like you're where do you say you're in Florida right Was that yeah Florida? yeah so you're you're in Florida I'm in, in Kent in England and we're having a conversation in two separate time zones where it's 10 o'clock here and uh, must be... 5 o'clock here. 5 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. It's just... But you're able to have a fucking 
full-on conversation, which not a lot of people actually do. They're so caught up with how many likes they're getting on Instagram, how many fucking texts they've had that day, where they're not even having conversations with people. And I find for myself personally, I spend most of my day literally on my own driving around a, um, a small town. Um, I, I do uh, security is my is my main job. Um, yeah. I drive around making sure everything's fucking secure, funny enough. Uh-huh. And most, most of the day I'm on my own, unless I get a, a, a radio call to go and deal with something or go and speak to a tenant or a client or whatever. Um, yeah. Most of, the, most of the day is literally I'm sat in a vehicle mainly listening to my my favourite podcasts, which are the likes of obviously Joe Rogan, um, The Fire and the Kid. I, I really enjoy Chris D'Elia. You know, the, the big American names I tend to listen to. Yeah. And and, and occasionally I, I, I self yeah, it kind of went out there for a second. Oh, 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 ah, we're back. Yeah, it's all good. It happens. Yeah, good. But I think it's uh, probably about time that we um, call it a wrap there, dude, because um, obviously my wife will fucking kick my ass from out <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> But I, like I said, I do appreciate you having me on the show. You know, if there's anybody out there that wants to learn more about what it is I do or they want to support the page, uh, they can find me pretty much at any social media, which is McDojo Life. Find me on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. I make original content on YouTube. I usually post every day on all my platforms. Uh, so you'll see me post at least once a day, every day, no matter what's going on in my life. Um, and then it, right now we are doing crowdfunding for the documentary. Uh, so if anybody wants to support, uh, they can go to mcdojolife.com and then they can go support. There are perks that they can get for that. It's not like they're getting nothing for their money. Uh, all kinds of stuff they can get uh, just for supporting. And if they can't, excuse me, afford to support, uh, that's okay. They can also support by just sharing. And that means a lot. And I think it's going to be a fucking brilliant documentary when it all gets set up and, and started. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of, of the page itself, especially the Instagram one. Uh, now, subscribe properly. Apart from, uh, before, I, I'd catch glimpses, you know, when you're scrolling through on your on your timeline on, um, on like YouTube and things. You're like, oh, what's that? Fucking <laughs> dickhead thing. Mind melt you. Um, but yeah, I, I subscribe and I'll be sharing the shit out of my dojo. I think it's uh, dojo life, should I say? I think it's fucking brilliant. Well, but you've you. been an absolute gent, and it's been an honour for you to be on my show. So thank you very much for taking the time at your busy schedule to talk to us Brits over here. Not a problem. I always make time. Thank you very much, Rob. All right, man. Have a great day. And that was the Granite Zero podcast with Rob Ingram, a.k.a. McDojo Life, with Little Brown, Darren Thompson. Fantastic episode, so make sure you go and support him. Go to mcdojolife.com, support him there. Also follow him, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, at at McDojo Life. But without further ado, I've been Tomo. This has been the Granite Zero podcast. 
And as they say in the regiment, per ardua, yeah. Through adversity, I'm Tomo, I'm out.